What's up, everybody? Keenis Cooper here from Locked On ACC. And did Week 7 give us everything we needed and more? Absolutely. NC State might be the real deal, and so could Pittsburgh. More importantly, though, did we learn anything from Clemson after Week 7? I'm not quite sure. But on today's show, we have Locked On Wolfpack host Kenton Gibbs. He's going to give us that inside scoop on those respective games that we got the chance to witness over the past weekend. And we'll just see, is there any room for growth, or should we just pretty much give Wake Forest the go-ahead when it comes to that Atlantic Division title. Find out here on today's show. Here we go. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kenton Gibbs, what's up, my guy? Welcome to another edition of Locked on ACC. Thank you all for making us your first listen. Kenton, I hope you had a great weekend. I'm sure you were all smiles after your team had performed so great there in Chestnut Hill. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I said that there was three different ways that this game could go and that in the best case scenario, this could become a boat race in our favor. And it did, surprisingly enough. So, you know, my prediction was that it was going to be an NC State win close. And uh, Doran said, watch out, little fella. I, I, I got this. I know how much we're going to win by not you. A hundred percent agree. So we are going to take some time today to talk about Syracuse and the Clemson game. Then we're going to head over to the Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech matchup. And finally, we're going to get home on that Boston College and NC State and our favorite game of the weekend. So let's get right into things. On Friday night, we saw a typical strong, solid ACC game that we've seen all season. Somehow, some way, the conference shows up under the Friday night lights. And that is what Clemson and Syracuse did mainly on the side of that defense. You saw two strong defenses holding it down as best they could because both teams had some struggling offenses. Clemson ended up squeaking by with a 17-14 victory, but there were still so many unanswered questions about DJ and his offense. And I'm just saying maybe as much as I want to say every single week this is going to be DJ's breakout game, maybe this just is who he is this season. Kenton, I would love your thoughts. You know – a lot of people have problems of uh, the problem of of waiting on dad to come home. Okay, waiting on mm. mom to come home. All right, folks are waiting here, saying, "Oh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna. They're gonna figure it out. It's gonna. They're gonna come get me." No, no, mama ain't coming. Daddy ain't coming. They left and they gone. They they went to go get a pack of cigarettes six years ago, and they don't even smoke. They're not coming back. Okay. And the fact of the matter is, DJ in this offense, I, I believe at this point, this is who they are. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that we can say with a fair amount of certainty, the only games that that offense has looked dynamic in was against, uh, I want to say it was South Carolina State. That was the only game of the year where they put up over 20 points. So with that being said, why are we still pretending and clamoring for hope? Oh, well, this Clemson team They're going to start putting up points eventually. Well, let me read you their point totals from this year, okay? Georgia, three points. South Carolina State, 49. Georgia Tech, 14 points. NC State, 21 points, seven of which were scored in overtime. So in reality, 14 points in regulation. Um, Boston College, 19 points. Syracuse, 17 points. 
So they have five performances of under 20 points in regulation. They have one performance of over 20. The one performance of over 20 came against FCS competition. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what are we still waiting on this office to show us something that they had not? In the words of Maya Angelou, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Well, with Clemson, this ain't the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time. We're going on the sixth. You've got to know DJ and this offense are not going to bang out a bunch of 35-point games to end this season. Clemson's defense is battling hard. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, Gary Schrader and DJ Uyunglele had similar stats, right? Both of them going for 191 and 181 yards, respectfully. And that's just not something we're used to talking about for a Clemson quarterback. They're not matching up with a Syracuse quarterback. It's not even close. And yet and still, every single opportunity, Gary Schrader was doing the best that he could and leading the charge. For some reason, though, I couldn't understand the play calling and normally I'm really easy on Dino but when it came to not utilizing a great running back in Sean Tucker especially towards the end of that game extremely frustrating it's almost as if do you enjoy being down three and not being able to capitalize at the end like I'm starting to see a pattern here and it's getting released three games in a row right losing by three points not being coming down to the final plays of the game that to me is some coaching situations or can't get over some sort of hump. That's not on the kids. They're not making putting themselves in the right position to win. What are your thoughts? I do not want to say this, and it hurts my heart to have to say this. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Dino's got to go. He's got to go. The sole thing holding that team back right now is not a lack of talent. And even if it was, Guess what? In college football, it's not about contracts. It's about recruiting. So if your team lacks talent, guess who that falls on first? Still the head coach. But not only are we talking talent here, the late game mismanagement of clock, if he was in any other profession, if he was botching surgeries like this as the Surgeon General at Gray's Hospital, he would be charged with malpractice, with medical malfeasance. And at this point, Dino's got to go. It's, it's, yeah. At this point, Dino has shown he took the program to his ceiling, and it's been all downhill since then. They need new voices in that locker room. They need something new there that Dino just can't bring. And again, it's. I want to say this for a second because Clemson has been much maligned this year. However, I believe they're four and two right now. Mm-hmm still in position. Now they need some help. They need some help. They don't control their own destiny from this point out, but they're still in position to battle for an ACC championship. That just shows you. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's going to be ugly because I think that it's going to come down to some matchups where they're going to be called upon offensively. And I don't think right now with what we've seen, they're going to be able to deliver. And, And I agree with that. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is we're still in the situation where if if Boston, I'm not not Boston College, if uh, Pitt's defense decides to do what it did against Western Michigan, because the mighty Western Michigan offense ain't just been prolific and blowing the doors off folks this year, this year, but they did so against Pitt. So with that being said, if we're looking at a situation for the rest of the year where uh, we've got, you know, Clemson, winning out their one or two losses from NC State. 
from Wake Forest, who they still have to play away from being in the conference championship game. So while this offense of Clemson is worse than we've seen from Clemson in a decade, while this is a team in Clemson that is now having to fight and scrap and claw and battle for every win, they're successfully battling. Granted, sometimes it's with help, like Dino Baber mismanaging the clock. I, I mean, I ain't seen the clock handled that poorly since Beauty and the Beast. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> that's funny. No, I totally get that. And again, I am just nothing. I was hoping that that game would show me something from Clemson, right? I hope that hoping that was that game. It would be the turning point for Syracuse. And yet I don't feel like I learned anything differently from either team, right? I feel like it's just the same game with the same struggling offense and the Syracuse not being able to go get over the hump and the Clemson squeaking by like Boston college. It was Dennis Grossell not being able to fall on the ball with Syracuse. It was game clock management. So I think that's the biggest thing. Clemson only is, couple games away from completely being out of the Atlantic. But like you said, there's absolutely still a chance. Let's move on here to a coastal side, talking about Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. The Pittsburgh Panthers went to Lane Stadium, and they were trying to really secure their spot in first place in the coastal side, and they did just that, winning 28-7. to The Hokies had Burmeister playing hurt, but Kenny Pickett is saying, I am here and the time is now. For my team to deliver, Kenny Pickett was 203 yards on the night, playing some arguably his best ball ever. While you had our guy, Burmeister, throwing one interception, only having 134 yards. And we're so used to him being on his feet with only 19 yards run game, right? I think that's just something I figured he was going to have to use his legs. Thought he was going to use them a little bit more, and it kind of showed proof in the pudding about how the game turned out. But when you have all of the advantage, it's definitely a hard place to kind of make a case for yourself to be atop of the coastal when you can't beat the best team that there is in your division, and you can't do that when you have all the cards in your favor to do so. I... I'm not going to beat a dead horse about the Hendon Hooker situation anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you how great he played at Tennessee this week and how poorly Braxton Burmeister has been playing. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to say is very simply, Fuentes has to figure out the quarterback position. Mm. He has to figure out the quarterback position. The only way that you can do what he is doing, which is try to play a game in, in which your quarterback really doesn't matter, is if the guys around him are flatly so dominant or so good at running a specific system that it's like, we could put whoever back there. We could put Ray Charles back there. And if he could go hand off right, hand off left, we'll be okay. Hand off right, hand off left, swing pass right, we'll be okay. They don't have that. So what you're seeing now is the culmination of, well, Braxton, we, we want him to run the ball a lot. Braxton isn't a big physical quarterback that, when he ends his runs, the defense is taking the brunt of the hits. No, he's a small guy. He's bearing the brunt of that. His body breaking down is a fact that we knew was coming if you paid attention to how they were running him early in the season. So congratulations, Virginia Tech. You've played a stupid game. You've won a stupid prize. Collect your stupid prize and figure out a way to win with a quarterback that throwing the ball more than five yards down the field, is is it's harder than escaping a Chinese finger trap. Pittsburgh is now five and one on the season. Virginia Tech is three and three. They are three and one 
in the uh, ACC play. And I'm just figuring, of course, you know, it's a strong statement for the Panthers to come away from a away game with a victory, but more so st- put the put a statement out there that they are the best team in the Coastal and they are trying to get to Charlotte in December. But, of course, we've got to transition to the favorite game of the weekend. I arguably think it is for you. I'm going to say, but you could also tell me towards the end of the show what your favorite game was. Could be completely different than what I'm guessing. But I would like to talk about Boston College and NC State here in just a bit. After I remind you guys about Prize Picks, a daily fantasy that's made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. It's a leader in college sports daily fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and offers all the stars, players of the Power Five, as well as mid majors you might not have ever heard of. All of the users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 just by using promo code locked on. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or to go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, we're rolling, rolling here with Locked On ACC Podcast. We've got Kenton Gibbs from Locked On Wolfpack. You can find him every single day talking about his pack and how well they are doing this season. Let's get into this Boston College-NC State conversation. The Wolfpack traveled to Chestnut Hill and went to Alumni Stadium and pretty much handled things from start to finish, winning 33-7 to against the Eagles. And I'm just sitting here saying, wow, okay, didn't have to stress about NC State this weekend. That's new. A lot of fans were wor- having to worry. Maybe they can't handle it. They're coming off a of bye-, bye week. Maybe they're going to feel a little nervous going into a very excited fan base, right? A good new coach who's coached his backup quarterback pretty well. And yet, it was all NC State all day. What are your thoughts around first State's dominant win, but more importantly, the implications that it means for them moving forward in the season? Well, I said all year long, and especially after the Mississippi State loss, that the three-week or the three-game span, rather, uh, from Clemson to Louisiana Tech to Boston College was going to show us what this team was or was not. Boston College being their first conference game on the road, Clemson being the first time that a really big-time game is winnable for them. Louisiana Tech, I still believe to this day, is the best offense that they've seen this season. And they will end up being, unless they see a good offense in a bowl game as well, the second or third best offense that they'll see. And so the ability to be mature and handle business there meant something. But now, this game was surprising to me because, honestly, this was not a a wire-to-wire like NC State just whooped the wheels off them from the first snap you knew NC State's the better team by a mile. This game, I believe at halftime, was either – 10 to 7 or 17? 14 to 7. Okay, so it was – I know it was a one-possession game at halftime. That's what I do know. Mm-hmm. And then NC State blew the doors off during a, a a sequence that was about eight minutes of real time where there was a fumbled uh, snap that we returned for a touchdown on a punt. There was an interception by Isaiah Moore that we then turned into a touchdown. There was another three-and-out that we had that we turned into a touchdown. To me – that sequence there was amazing. It was immense. And it's what this team needed to get them over that hump. But those types of streaks don't happen 
except for two reasons. Number one, being outlandishly prepared. And number two, sometimes you're just prepared and the, the opportunity presents itself. And that's what we like to call luck. It's the, the combination of preparation and opportunity perfectly presenting itself. At the end of the day, this team handled its business on the road against a 4-1 ACC team. And, yeah, the books were a little cooked. Yeah, sure. They they had wins against Colgate and Mizzou and UMass. And, hey, I get it. I get it. But to dominate like this, to play well on the road in that environment, it means something. That's a great win by the Wolfpack. I think it's also important to notice how the playmakers really stepped up and guys who usually are on the fringe had great games. I mean, Devin Carter, right, having one of the best catches we've seen all season, catching it off a guy's back. You had, you know, Bam Knight and Ricky Persons going off. You had Thayer Thomas doing his thing. And then defensively, I mean, sorry, can't even forget offensively, Emeka Mezzi becoming the top uh, NC State best, hmm, there it is, top receiver, all time, yes. Thank, thank you, Go. Oh, I'm no trying problem. to be nice. I'm trying to be nice about NC State. You know, you clearly know see it's hard. hard for me. I know it's hard it's for hard. Tar Heel to do those things. <laughs> it's hard giving the flowers, right? But Emeka and Mezzi coming through. But more importantly, defensively, seeing Isaiah Moore, right? You see Drake Thomas coming in and doing his thing. And I think that's where you start to say, okay, NC State has the dogs. They have the pieces in place. And they're actually doing what we in- always have intended them to do. I'm saying, damn, okay. I need to start paying a little bit more attention to NC State because they they mean business this season. This is not a, we know we have the guys, we just got to figure it out, give us time. Like They've clearly told you what their identity is and how they play hard and play together. Mecca Mezzi in his post-game speech talking about how this is a real brotherhood coming off injury and having to battle back. And even in these games being battle tested and you play a little bit differently when you actually care about the other guys on the field. NC State is just really, to me, gives family energy that is going to be hard to stop the rest of this season. There's still games that I think absolutely they're going to have to overcome and be tested for. Still have Wake Forest on the schedule, right? Still have a Carolina who's going to want to play probably for a bowl game opportunity. (laughs) They're still going to have to try and come in and really show who they are. But this family aspect that they're rolling with right now is very impressive. Here's the thing with NC State to me. NC State should be undefeated. We should be top 15, maybe in the verge of top 10 teams. However, we pissed down our leg in Starkville. With that being said, this the rest of the season, there is not a single game where NC State is not the better team, period, mm. period. There isn't a single game where top to bottom, player for player, Joe for Joe, blow for blow, we're not the best team. So with that being said, the objective is going out, being consistent, not pissing down your leg for the rest of the season. And that has been historically a hard task for NC State. So I don't want to talk about the history anymore. I want to talk about this year. What are we going to do this year? How are they going to finish this year? How are they going to say, hey, we know what the the mantra is about us. We know that we're the Rodney Dangerfield of college sports. We get no respect at all. That's That's not our problem. I don't care whether you respect me or not. You can respect or disrespect, but if I got this ring on my finger that says ACC champ, what is there to say? What? I mean, you know, in the words of Jay-Z, what more can I say? What more can I do? That And that's, at the end of the day, that's what the situation has to be. So I know that Doran has talked publicly about some of the disrespect for his players and for the program and all that. And I, I get it. At the end of the day, 
I look at respect a lot like I look at these turnover chain, turnover bone, turnover ring, touchdown ring. Touch, win a championship and then talk about it. Win a championship and then talk about where we belong, where we are on the food chain, where we need to be. Fair enough. All right, guys, if you have not yet tried Built Bar, I want you to make sure that you are in on this delicious treat. We have nine amazing flavors that are not only the best tasting, but they're healthy too. I have tried personally the raspberry, mint, brownie, and double chocolate. Everything is 100% covered in chocolate and absolutely delicious for you. Know that simply if you have to be on the go and you need a snack that's going to be savory and last you throughout the day, Built Bar is the place to go. If you haven't tried all the flavors yet and you're not sure what to do, you can get a mixed box, two of each of the nine. So before the day ends, make sure you touch that dial where you dial up your Twitter, see where you can go on the site, builtbar.com. Go to uh, the tweet, tweet them out, tell them what flavor you love. Get your promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. As we wrap up today's show with Ken Gibbs here from Locked on Wolfpack, some great conversation around week seven. We are going to continue this conversation with J.J. Jackson from Locked on Blue Devil. I know he'll have plenty to talk about about his team and their trip to Charlottesville. And we'll also go over that UNC-Miami game, which was one of the more stressful times. I don't understand how people are fans anymore. Like, it's too much, too much anxiety. I had the opportunity to go to Chapel Hill. And man, oh man, if I didn't see... Carolina try and piss down their leg towards the end of that bad boy. But boy, oh boy, it was always fun when you have one interception that changes it and seals it for you. So was there a game that stood out to you most? And it could be, of course, your own team, NC State and Boston College. Or did you have any others that really impressed you this weekend? Well, the game that stood out to me the most was definitely uh, NC State's win over Boston College. But the most entertaining game was the uh, UNC Miami game simply because it was a battle of who wanted to lose this game the least. I mean, hmm. both teams were absolutely atrocious at times. It is hard for me as a former defender to watch guys tackle with their shoulders now. That's a thing that people do now. And it's also tough for me to see players get penalties for landing with their full body weight on the quarterback who's outside of the pocket. But hmm. beyond that, Seeing a really competitive, really close game uh, this weekend was not in the cards except there. I mean, that's just the reality, right? Like, Pittsburgh whooped the wheels off uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia beat Duke like they stole something. I, I said, Jesus Christ, Coach Cut, if you retire after this game, I would not have a problem. If you oh, said, gosh. you know what, this is it. I've done all I can. I'm done here after this game. Nobody would be upset at you for it. Then you look at uh, Boston College, NC State, and of course, Dino going Dino in late games, which is again, love the brother. You gotta go. You gotta go, man. You I hate go. that. I hate it because he is the last African American coach in the ACC, and he's, there's not many in the Power Five in general. But you're hurting me. But this is this is what I always say about the the black coach, black player, black quarterback conversation. Mm-hmm. A part of I don't want black coaches, black quarterbacks, black players to be um, given more grace, given more leeway, given more rope than their white white counterparts. That's that's the part. Not more than their white counterparts. Because I want this game to be truly based off merit. 
part of if that's not how own, this goes that's but not that's how what this i'm goes. saying but that's this what, is but, this is this is a game of politics more so than it is of x's and o's and that's just we can never have that it can never just be like off of did they have enough wins and they not have that's never how it's going to be so i'm always going to go harder in the paint for our black coaches and, and i understand that and i'm not saying that you're wrong for that but what i'm saying is this mm-hmm. if we can only speak positively about black quarterbacks black coaches black players etc then we're creating a situation where we're paternalizing them and saying, oh, poor baby, it's okay. Whatever you do is good because you're a black player. I don't want to see that. I don't want that. But didn't That's you, we did, I mean, but we didn't do that, though, because I sat there and we sat there and said, yeah, Dino, you piss poured when it came to clock management. You clearly needed to pick a quarterback at the start of the season and stop hand-holding Tommy DeVito. Like, there are things that we can sit here and be honest about without saying you should lose your job because of it. Well, in this case... You probably lose your job, but But I'm just saying. And and this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying is what we're doing to Dino right now is fair. Like, we weren't ready to pull the trigger saying like, oh, Dino, after that eight and four season, you had one bad season. What's going on? We It's Syracuse football. There are going to be bad seasons here and there. It's just the reality. But the question is, where do you go? Why are the seasons bad? What's happening? Is it bad coaching that's making this situation bad? And I think that we can both agree conclusively the answer is yes. So, again, it's just like what I say about uh, black media, black art, black movies. If we sit here and say that Lena Waithe is good just because she's a black woman, then we are doing ourselves a disservice and we're going to have to see more of her work. Okay. I mean, that's and, like saying about Tyler Perry. We we loved the plays, but then they got a little out of hand, right? And but, then that, now but that's, my point. that's my point. I, stereotypical type storylines that we, of course, might talk about behind the scenes, but we don't necessarily need to see that on film every single time. And here's in an thing. exaggerated fashion. And here's the thing: should there be more black head coaches? Should there be more black quarterbacks? Should there be more black ads and things of that sort? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. I'm not going to argue against that at all. But what I'm saying is, let's just judge them fair. I hate that Dino has to. But it's never going to be that way. And you know that. And you know that. And I think that's that's the the biggest thing for me that I can't sit here and say, yes, let's absolutely have them fair grade because we know it's never going to be the case. So I feel like innately, I'm always going to say grace, give give a little more grace. Don't go. I think for me, it's a two to three years you have to show amazing immense growth or you're out of here and when i say you're out of here where's dino going after this it's lsu's not knocking on his door right lane kiffin fell like he's falling forward a little bit right you have steve sarkeesian falling forward a little bit dino is probably going to be somebody's defensive offensive coordinator somewhere you know what i'm saying like that's my issue so so here's the thing again i'm not disagreeing with you there sark and lane kiffin both got with Nick Saban for a couple years, and then all of a sudden they're back on the map. Uh, you look at the coach from Liberty. Uh, what's his name? Is it Frost? No, that's not Frost. That's a uh, God. That's, uh, of course, you're saying it because it's like right here. I know who you're talking about, though. But he coached he the Ole Miss. Yes. He got fired for yes. all of the p- players getting paid and all that. And now that he's winning again, every, he's the hot topic again. Here's the thing. If Dino goes somewhere and is the offensive coordinator at some huge school, if he's the offensive coordinator at Bama, and all of a sudden they figure it out because Bill O'Brien is not the answer for offensive coordinator at Alabama. That's just facts. Bill O'Brien is never the answer to any question besides what coach ruined the Houston Texans. But the fact of the matter is simple. If he goes there, dominates 
it has their offense dominating in a way that we have not seen, putting up historic numbers for a few years. He's going to get another head coaching job somewhere. Will it be so. as big? Will it be as big as Kiffin and Sark? No, not saying that it will be. Am I? And why that? is that? And why is that? But and again, no, no, no. I, have the honest, have the honest conversation. If we gonna do it, do it now. So let so let's have the conversation. See, you, you we make all me upset. Know. That's why we my accent's know. getting stronger. No, okay, we calm down. But we calm all down. know, okay. we all know that black coaches, again, just like black quarterbacks, would not get the same grace, would not get the same leeway. But what I'm saying is, in order to create that more equitable world, I want to be a part of the change that creates more equitable, not the change that creates. Well, I want favoritism for my guys. Because it just leads to more favoritism for from other people for their guys. And then all of a sudden, people think I bang on the table so hard for Hendon Hooker because he's a black quarterback. That's not the case. I've been on the table for him because he was really good. Watching the film on him, you see a really, really quality quarterback that when you look at the guys who they played over him, you watch their film and say, what under God's green earth are you smoking? And where can we get it banned today? Where can we get a band? I don't want it medically available. I don't want it recreationally available. I don't want it available nowhere. We need to get it off the streets now. So <laughs> the, the, the fact of the matter is, again, mm-hmm. I hate it has to be Dino. I agree. Mm-hmm. I do not enjoy having to, to talk about Dino's failings. But guess what? It's Dino's failings. I love to talk about his success. If he got the job done against Clemson, I'd say, Dino's done it again, ladies and gentlemen. He's beat Clemson again. Or no, has he ever beat Clemson? I think he did. He has beat Clemson. That's why okay. he was he went like eight and four. Exactly. I'd love to say Dino's done it again. He's beat Clemson again. I love to say Dino is putting on a master class of coaching. I can't. And so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to these folks. I mean, there's still time. They're three and four. They could run the gamut and win five games. And then what I, are we gonna say? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. Are, we, are you still going to fire him if he goes eight and four? I think they might, and that's where I say. Now, now listen, and and that to me, right? Like Lovey Smith being fired from the Bears with a winning record, Jim Caldwell being fired from the Lions with a winning record. That is a problem. That is a very serious problem. Adam Gase getting another head coaching job after what he did with the Dolphins. That is a problem. It's a problem. I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say, oh, there is no racial inequity when it comes to picking head coaches, when it comes to picking quarterbacks, when it comes to picking uh, GMs, front office execs, when it comes to picking head coaches at college level, athletic directors, all that good stuff. I'm not going to lie to you and say that. Even if we're talking about just the, the content creators, the social media producers, the photographers, the, the uh, creative directors, I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, there is no racial inequality in that lane. But to me, the thing that I should be doing is judging everybody fairly. I will scream up and down about Braxton Burmeister not being able to throw the ball. But guess what? I'll also do the same thing if I see that Jeff Sims refused, refuses. I'm sorry. Is that the quarterback for Georgia Tech? Yeah. Okay. So Jeff Sims, if he refuses to learn how to get his mechanics together, the only difference is Jeff Sims is younger. He has not had the same amount of time as Braxton. If Jeff Sims continues to be wildly inconsistent, hold on now. Malik Cunningham does everything he can for Louisville. He, You can't ask the boy for more. I criticize him when he has bad games. I congratulate him when he has good games. If somebody asks me about him, I say he's up and down. You don't know which Malik you're going to get. But that good Malik is really good. But the bad Malik is really bad. I do not tell nobody no lies on these quarterbacks. I talk about Holmgren from Duke. 
I'll tell you he's terrible. Hartman, I'll tell you how good he is. Leary, I'll tell you how good he is. Pickett. I'm not as high on him as some people are thinking that he's now a first rounder. You know what? And on that note, on that note, we got to wrap this. Okay. Pickett's good. I'm saying I think he's good. I just don't think he's a first rounder. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He's made himself a lot of money this season. Absolutely. He stole Sam Howell's money, to be honest. But that's that's my point. That's my point. (laughs) I don't think that he is that good. I've seen both of them play live and in real time. Sam Howell is, to me, by and far away the better quarterback. And that's what I mean by I'm not. He's regressed this season. We need to have a part two. Clearly, we're going to have to have a part two on the show. Because I think Sam has regressed. We can have have a part part two. two. We can absolutely do that. But the thing is, a lot of people believe that a quarterback, a good quarterback makes everybody around him a million times better. And I disagree. I think that the pieces around you being very good makes you better. UNC's offense lost 4,000 yards of production. And everybody just was like, yeah, Sam will fix it. Huh? You just Sam put, is indeed not a miracle worker. The Hoover Dam was cracking, and you slapped three pounds of flex seal on it and it was like, Yeah, this will be all right. What did you expect was gonna happen? It was gonna be a flood, a flood was gonna yeah. come, and the flood is hitting UNC. And now Mac Brown is blaming the media, even though I told everybody all along, I don't know what we're seeing that makes us believe that this team is gonna be good, but more content. Something told me that I had a slight bias to that, and I'm only going to talk about the other team 30 minutes down the way. But that's just here, neither here nor there. Clearly, your team is rolling. I'm giving Devin Leary his props. I think NC State is great, and they're arguably right now the team to beat in the Atlantic Division. And with that, I would like people to listen to more of where they can find you to talk about the Wolfpack. And please, just enlighten these folks of where they're going to get a little more Devin Leary content. Oh, absolutely. You can find me on Locked On Wolfpack. You can find me on Twitter at LO underscore Wolfpack. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find Locked On Wolfpack. And again, I gave UNC their flowers. I said that their win was the game of the week. I'm showing them love. I'm just telling you the truth. Just like I do about these black quarterbacks, head coaches, I'm going to do the same thing for Mac Brown and, and, and Sam Howell. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do the same. No doubt. Well, thank you, everyone, for your time. We appreciate it. As always, make sure you guys make Locked on ACC, your first listen every single day. You can hear about all of the conference news with me and my fellow co-hosts. Again, reminder, we have a Locked on Blue Devils host, J.J. Jackson. Tomorrow we'll go over the UNC-Miami game. We'll also talk about the lovely Duke-Virginia game. I know that'll be tough for him, but he'll make it through, right? And we'll come back on Wednesday with some power rankings, Thursday with some previews for week eight. Can't believe we're already in week eight with Tyler Aki. And then Friday, we will have Freestyle Friday, Jersey Drake. Get you set up on a betting stand point and so we'll have you right for your weekend until next time you guys hope you have a good one